Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thank you, my love. Oh, my Lord. I, uh... Oh, God. He's here. <laughs> He's here. He's here, and I think, I, honest to God, I think the church in general, not just us, but the church at large, we need to get used to not just asking him to show up, but when he does, acknowledging that he came. Acknowledging that he showed up, amen. Can we give him some praise? 10 second praise break, stand up, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Say thank you, Jesus. Say, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you came. If he doesn't go before us, there's no reason in going. If he doesn't show up on a Sunday, there's no reason in having this. We will never be a social club for Christians to come to. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. We came for a visitation today with the living God, and I believe he is here. One of the things that's blowing my mind in this moment and in the midst of one of the hardest weeks of my life is the fact that where two or more are gathered, Jesus says this, where two or more gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And what's amazing is we have a lot of Christians all throughout the world who gather for a number of reasons. But what sets this house apart and few others apart is that we don't come for any other reason. We don't join in unity around any other name, not even the name of takeover. Do we gather underneath? No, that banner is not about takeover. It is about Jesus. And when we come together, we come together in unity. We come together to see one rule and reign. You did not come here to see me. You did not come here to hear me. You did not come here to see them. You did not come here to hear them. We all came today to hear from him. Amen? Come on. This is not a rock concert. This is not a great TED talk. This is not an experience of entertainment. This is an experience and an encounter with the one true risen, ruling, and reigning, living God, Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we come together, we come together in one name. And he says, if you will do it in my name, I will be there. I will be there. And I want to encourage you. The reason that we can be in a moment like this and some of us have the absolute most mind-blowing experience with the presence of God. And some of us are sitting there going, I don't know what they're getting excited about. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why they're flailing and why they're responding. Like, what is happening? And we sit back and we're pacified and we're in judgment. And we sit back and we're like, what is going on? Friend, I would assert to you this morning that perhaps you did not come to church today in Jesus' name. Perhaps this morning you did not come in with unity, with one mind, with one goal this morning to seek and see his face today. Because if you had, he says, I will not give you a scorpion when you ask me for a fish. How much more will the Father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit when you ask him? That's what Jesus says. So I'm going to take a moment and we're going to go into the scriptures today. And I'm very excited to preach, but I'm heartbroken as all get out. And it's been a week it has been an absolute week. And so this morning, I pray, I pray that you and I, we would go on a journey together where we birth a new cry in this house, where we birth a new cry in this season, where summer has ended, the distractions have ceased, 
It should have never been there in the first place, but I'm sure most of you are tired of me saying it. But now we're moving into fall, we're moving into the season where people are getting their lives reoriented and restructured, and we're moving into this place where kids are back in school and families are back together and X, Y, and Z, everything's falling into place. And right now I am telling you, we need to take what we learned in this house in the summertime and galvanize Get reoriented for the fall and for the winter to not take our foot off the gas, but lean in even more. Do I got anybody who's ready to pop the clutch this winter? Come on. We were, yeah. Y'all forget I got some Southern in me, okay? Pop the clutch. That's what we do. And we're going to be that kind of place. A little bit of housekeeping real quick, and I just need to say this, and I need you to be open and ready and willing to receive. Are you open, ready, and willing to receive? Takeover Church is a house that is built upon him, for him, with him, and unto him, and that's it. That's what we do here. It's about one. And therefore, I need to, as the father of this house, as the pastor of this house, as a pastor in this region, it needs to be said, it needs to be heard, it needs to be listened to, it needs to be understood, it needs to come into our heart, it needs to take root. And if we see this happening, we pluck it out because we will not allow this in our home. We are a family. This is a family of God. And in the family of God, there is only unity. There is no room for disunity. We do not tolerate devils. We do not tolerate demons. And we will not tolerate a spirit of gossip in this house. There has been, for the last couple of months, a spirit of gossip in this house. I say this, if you are someone operating in the spirit of gossip, I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. I implore you to repent to those you have been gossiping about, and it's not even about me. It's not even about somebody gossiping about me. It's not why I'm coming at this. Some people, other people are being gossiped about in our church. I refuse to allow that to remain in this family. I implore you, repent. Go to that person you've been gossiping about, pour your heart out and ask forgiveness and throw them yourselves at their feet. Because here's the deal. If people choose to leave this church, go with God. We love you. If you're about what the Lord is doing here, lean in all the more because you have got people, not just pastors and not just leadership, you have got people of God who are willing to have the hard conversations, who are willing to sit in the mess with you, prophesy over you, believe God for greater things on the other side of whatever you are currently facing, and ensure that you and I finish the race well set before us. Amen? That's what we do here. That's what we do here. So this morning, we are continuing stewarding the prophetic word over our church for the entirety of 2023. It is fire upon the earth. Coming out of Luke 12, 49 through 50. And Jesus, he, he puts it on blast. He makes it very clear, friends. So clear that we have now gone 37 weeks and we will continue on through December 30th. We will continue on and we will set fire upon ourselves. If Jesus has one goal in mind, if he came for one desire, and that was to create for himself a burning people, a burning body, and a burning bride, will take over church, will answer the call of that in West Michigan, and we will be his burning bride in this region. Amen? So much so that we're not switching gears, we're not changing topics. We long to be the bride that Jesus stands up off his throne and says, send me back for her. That's who we will be. Amen. 
So week 37 of fire upon the earth. Okay, I'm already emotional. Jeez, come Lord Jesus, come. The title of my message or my sermon this morning rather is this. Are you ready? The chosen's garment of fire. The chosen's garment of fire. The chosen's garment of fire. And if you have your B-I-B-L-E's, pull out your leatherbacks, bust out your heathen chokers, grab your sword, and turn with me to Matthew 22, 1 through 14. In fact, I'm going to read out of my actual factual Bible in front of you. I'm not interested in modern technology and continuing on as we have. I want, I want something that can't be, while I'm asleep at night, logged into and changed. Where we allow a, a time and place where we live in to see AI rewriting the Bible in China. I refuse. I'm going to get so in love with the written word, the paper of God. Are you with me? Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Here we go. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. Those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and they went off. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest actually seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. See, the king was angry and he sent his troops and he destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to those invited. Go to those on the main roads and invite them to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants, they went out into the roads and they gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? The man was speechless. Then he said to the king, and to the, or then the king said to the attendants, bind him, hand him foot and hand and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. For many are called, but few are chosen. We're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to meet us. Sound good? Father, we love you. Father, right now we just open ourselves up to you. Father, we just reassert nobody came here today to hear me. We all came here this morning to hear you. So come. Come like the voice of many rushing waters, God. Purify us, refine us, God. Shake us, break us, mold us, and shape us back into your image and your likeness. God, come today. Come into the, arrows, the, the areas in our life, the shallow areas 
Move in on us, Lord. Impress upon us what you have made us to be, all that we have within you. Father, I don't think anyone's in this church today for just another Sunday. I don't think anyone's here this morning because they didn't have other places they could have spent their time. No, Father, we're here today because we love you. Because we love you, Father, and we're so grateful for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross that paved the way and paid in our place that we could come and have relationship with you again. So, Father, we ask, send your Holy Spirit in such a mighty way this morning that as we sit underneath the authority of Scripture, you would come and you would move, God. You would come and you would move in between the lampstands this morning. And you would check our flame and you would check our oil and you would check our innermost places that we actively work so hard to hide from one another. But we assert this morning, there is no hiding anything from you. So Father, come, welcome us into that place of surrender. You know all, so we might as well fall in every area. You are the perfect peace. You are our refuge. In you, there are no secrets. So come, do what only you can, and we will give Jesus all of the glory and honor and power that he is so richly due. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, Philip Church said, Amen. Amen. The chosen's garments of fire, the chosen's garments of fire, the chosen's garments of fire. Now, I'm going to be 100% just up front with you. Adrian and I and our team here at Takeover Church, we've had... The absolute worst week. I would say this is potentially one of the worst weeks of my entire life. Not just ministry, but my entire life. And I'm being honest. That's not to cast shame on anybody. That's not to make more of it than it is. That is simply to tell you that this morning, what is coming from this pulpit is something that God birthed in fire. That God birthed in the most difficult seasons. I cry in me that God awakened this week through all of the tragedy and the heartbreak and the loss and the things that people I love the people that I have been called to disciple, the people I have been entrusted with by God himself have experienced and have gone through. And the Lord began to birth this on the inside of me. So this morning I come to you as a, uh, not a man who's well put together and posh and just got it all going on. No, I come to you where, where the Apostle Paul, he says, when you are weak, then he is strong. And this morning, he has me up against the ropes in the most beautiful way. And if broken is where he needs me, then broken is where I'll be. And I will be faithful to what he's asked me to do this morning. And I am believing on the backside of this morning, you and I, we together, we are going to have a far greater understanding of who we are to him, what he desires from us and for us, and what the future holds for us as his bride. Amen. The chosen's garment of fire. You see, I was, I was in so much pain this week and we were just going through things and I'm asking the Lord and the second I got my bearings right, it was like another thing happened and another thing happened and I'm like, Lord, what is it? What is happening? Where are you going? What are you saying? What are you doing? Show up. 
And he was in all of it every single moment. And he kept shifting and shaping and changing and positioning me and repositioning me all so I could hear him even closer. It was like the greater the calamity got this week, the stiller and the smaller and the quieter his voice got. But it allowed me, like Elijah, to see that he wasn't in the thunder and he wasn't in the fire and he wasn't in the earthquake. But I was able to reorient and reposition with every blow, with every crushing moment this week. And I could just, like we talked about two weeks ago, I could just get low. I could get low enough to hear the echoes of his resounding voice in the deep, dark places where he welcomes us into of intimacy, of stillness, of quiet. Where I don't have to talk and I don't have to bring him a list. Where he is intimately more familiar with what I and others are experiencing this week than we will ever be. And from that place where Matt shuts his mouth and God can just speak. And my opinions don't get in the way. My ideas don't get in the way. My agenda, my clock, my time. I just get this unadulterated, unfiltered, undistilled, raw, and quiet voice of my father. And as I was reading these scriptures, as I was reading the scriptures, he says at the end, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. It just kept beating on the inside of me, beating on the inside of me, beating on the inside of me. And suddenly this groan came from inside me this week and into the wee hours this morning. I went to bed around 4 a.m. and got up at 6 to spend more time with him. And I just had this cry birth on the inside of me. And I pray you and I together, individually and corporately, we make this cry. By our own I want to be chosen I want to be chosen if there's a way to be chosen I want to be chosen if he makes the distinguish Jesus right now he makes a distinguishing remark and he separates the two he says many are called but few are chosen I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't know there was another level. I know that Paul says the gifts and call of God are irrevocable and without repentance. The Lord will never repent, forgiving every single one of us, whether we come to know him or not, his gifts and his call upon our lives. And for some of us, that disturbs us. Some of us, we don't think that's fair. Some of us, we look at evil, wicked people, and we go, why are they still successful? Because if God had to take from them, God would have to take from you. And he says, I will not. I will not rid the earth of my gifts and my call on my children 
just because the wicked abuse them, my bride must advance. Amen. And he says this, and I began to shake me to my core. You mean, Jesus, there's a difference between being called and being chosen. And if there is a difference, what is it? And how do I go from simply being called by God to being among the few chosen by God? And I began to get this hunger, and I have this hunger now. And if you're new with us this morning, yes, I'm always this insane. Get used to it. I'm just, a, I, I love Jesus. I, I, I can't help it. I'm mad, okay? He's my guy. I just, he saved me everything. And now I'm seeing, I'm letting you into personal revelation here. Generally, I would have sat with this a while longer and let it incubate on the inside of me and let me marinate in it and bask in it. But no, the Lord was like, this is for now. Even if you don't have it all figured out and dialed in, great pastor, Professor Matt, you need to know there is a difference between simply being called by God and the few who are chosen by God. And I've got to know, friends, I've got to know. I mean, I mean, how can we, once we now know there is a difference, now, once we now know there are levels to this, once we now know there is something more than simply answering the call of God on your life, but there's actually some level and some arena and some place in our relationship with God where we go from being simply called like all others to being chosen like the few. What does that look like? What does that look like? How do I turn and burn and make myself into a person eligible to be chosen by God? How? How do I make myself eligible? to be chosen by God. Now, some of us, we come from religious backgrounds and we've been in church for a long time and we've sat underneath a lot of doctrines and we're having some contrarian thoughts right now. Matt, didn't Jesus choose all people when he went to the cross? He called all people when he went to the cross. But there's an arena and there is a level and there is a place in the kingdom of heaven for whom God chooses. And what we can see here in this scripture and in the entirety of scripture is that there are actually ways not to bend and twist the arm of God into choosing you, but to live in such a recklessly abandonment kind of way where you are attractive to God. Too many Christians today, we are worried about being attracted by the world and very few of us are concerned about being attracted by God. I don't want to live in a place. I don't want to house a church. I don't want to grow a body of believers where we are so interested in the world being attracted to us that we haven't even given it a second thought. Is God even attracted to us? Do we look like, do we sound like, do we praise like, do we worship like, do we prophesy like, do we heal like, do we deliver like, do we live like interior and exterior in a way that attracts God? You see, I don't want to live in this wide open space of simply having the call of God on my life and whether I answer or don't answer it shakes out to being a bit inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. No, I want to live a life, friends. And I want you to live a life, friends, where you have decided I'm going to live 
to be chosen by God. See, I think we get in this place where we start to go, oh, there's only a select few that are chosen and they all are pastors and they are, they are all apostles. No, friends, there is a select few, but I am telling you, it doesn't have to remain that way. It just has to be a people at a place and a time and a destination who decide I'm not going to settle for simply living a call of God on my life. I am going to pursue the eligibility of being chosen by God on my life. So how do we do it? I believe there is a time right now where the spirit is opening an open heaven, a thin place where his people go, wherever you go. And he is calling the lay men and the lay women that it simply just means that you are not a pastor or a person in the fivefold ministry who works at a church vocationally, okay? It means everybody else, the hands and the feet of Jesus. He is opening up above you. He is rending the heavens wide open in your workspaces, in the coffee shops you go, in the restaurants, everywhere you go, every threshold your foot passes. He is making a plea right now to his hands and his feet. Wherever you go, I go. See, I love the song by great psalmist of our day misty edwards where you go i go what you say i say what you pray i pray i love that song where you go i go what you say i say what you pray i pray right i love that song she sings it way better than i do i shush i love i love that song but now is the hour where the Holy Spirit is birthing in the church right now and he is saying, no, where you go, I go. Where you go, you bring me with you. And I get to go into the deep recesses of the earth. I get to go into the land of Canaan. I get to go where there is giants, but there is milk and honey. If we can just cast out that which is evil and dark and harmful. If we can go into the land, I can illuminate and I can reveal Jesus to a dark and broken and dying world. Where you go, I go. But that call is for everybody. And then there are the lives that God chooses. And what we see in the scripture, and we'll get to in just a second, is actually the ability to live in a way, to position yourself in a way, to think in a way, to pursue in a way where you can actually position yourself in the kingdom to be a life he chooses. You see, the interesting thing about many are called, but few are chosen that he just keeps wrecking me with. He just keeps wrecking me with. I was 16 years old when I met Jesus and I preached my first message to 500 Baptists in a little small town called Hesperia. And I preached to 500 Baptists and I'm pretty sure most of it was heresy, but he came to me and he gave me a word in Matthew 10. He says, narrow is the way but few find it wide is the way 
where most find it and leads to certain destruction. And now I'm realizing 17 years later that the place of the chosen, the place with the chosen where few are chosen is the same narrow way that few find. That in order to live a chosen life, a life that is eligible to be chosen by God, it is lived in, it is walked in, it is not just camped in. You live there, you stay there, you'll die there, and you'll be resurrected there in glory in the narrow way. Because everyone who's called, man, we all have a calling and we all can fit through the wide gates. But there's the narrowness, there's this narrowness that refines us. Where the further down the narrow path, you and I, we venture down with Jesus, where the Holy Spirit takes us hand in hand and he takes us down the narrow way. And suddenly what you and I realize is a lot of things that we've been loving and we've been doing and we've been entertaining and we've been allowing the further down the narrow way we get, the skinnier it gets, the more narrow it gets. And by virtue and proxy of that, you and I, the more narrow and more skinny you and I have to get. The more whittled down of the things of this world have to go, the more less baggage we're allowed to bring with us, the less things we're allowed to entertain. Suddenly there becomes this moment where it's not just though none go with me, still I will follow Instead, the heart posture becomes, I leave everything else and I follow. You see, we, we come out of a generation, I'm a millennial. And yes, we have screwdy-pooed the church, okay? We did, we did. We allowed feelings to override faithfulness. We allowed the brokenness of man to take place, the holiness of God in our lives, we messed some things up. But right now, I believe it's not just generationally, like for Gen Z specifically. I believe the generation that's on the earth right now, all of us, young and old alike, I believe there is an invitation that my generation rejected. But God is saying, I'm going to birth this cry in you again. You see, millennials, we lived in such a way where we went, how much can I get away with before it's sin? That's not love. You're not in love. You're not in love. You're in bondage to your own passions. You're in bondage to your own chains and your own wants and your own desires. That's not love. Love doesn't say, how much can I do and get away with before it's sin? No, love says, how much more can I give up? How much more can I give away? You see, the cry of this generation, those who are on the earth today, our cry is going to be, I'm not pursuing how much can I get away with until it's sin. I am pursuing how much more can I simply give away regardless of whether it's sin. Because here's the deal about the narrow path. It's not just sin that can't come with you. It's all the things that are good. It's all the things that you're in love with. It's all the things that aren't inherently sinful for you, but still rob Jesus of his time with you, of his heart's affection for you. 
It can be the pains of this life. It can be the joys of this life. And I'm not saying that we're here just to be some androgynous atomic robots that just simply exist to, you know, have a bowl cut and sit in a hut all day and just sing old songs, okay? Although that sounds pretty awesome, given where I'm at with Jesus. Bowl cut, not so much. In a hut, let's go. But I'll tell you this. Those that are chosen, they don't live within mind. How close to the line can I get before I trespass? Those that live with being chosen in mind, they walk and they watch and they begin to go single file and they begin to make themselves so small and so lowly and they get so tiny before God and all haughtiness, all pride, all ego, all big headedness, every dream, every pleasure, everything that can be given up without dying and going up is relinquished on the narrow path. Jesus is saying to a generation right now, you and me, the cry of our heart, if we want to live a chosen life, God, could you imagine what does it even look like to be among the few, not in a prideful look at me, look at me kind of way. No, the narrow path kills that. But what does it look like for you and I to live a life as laymen and laywomen, whether you're in school, whether you're in the arts, whether you're retired, whatever it is, what does it look like to live a life that God says, yeah, I can choose that one. I can choose that one. I can choose Kyle Stevens at UPS. I can choose Jay at GM Aminart. I can choose. I can choose. Our girl, Audrey, God can choose you while you're cleaning. Whatever it is that he has placed in your hands, he desires for you not to simply pick up the phone when he calls, but his call upon your life is to ask him, Father, how can I be chosen? How can I be chosen? God, how can I be chosen in my generation? How can I be chosen? How can I be chosen? And all of the disqualifiers that you start to bring up, oh, because of the sin I've committed, Lord, you know the things you've done. How can I still be chosen? Well, the fact that we started a church on $80 five years ago, and this is what the Lord's done, and it's like, God, there's months where we just need you to show up to pay the rent. God, how can we be chosen? There's moments where marriages are on the rocks and words of affirmation and marital relations. They're just not what they used to be. And it's like, God, is, are you in this? And he is calling and he's on the other line of that saying, there is a chosen version of your life but it is well down the narrow path will you walk it with me will you walk it with me will you get so small and so lean and will you lose and give up everything 
to meet me at the place of being chosen well down the narrow path. Because everybody's called. Everybody's called. But if there is a distinction and there's the ability to live above the calling into a place of being chosen by God himself, then Lord, smash me, break me, peel me apart and prune me, burn me. I want it. I want to be chosen. I want this house to be chosen. I want this region to be chosen. I want this state to be chosen. That's what we're doing here, amen? Am I just bleeding before you or are you starting to bleed with me? Am I just bleeding before you or are you starting to bleed with me? You see, Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling of which you have received, which inherently means the inverse is true, that you can live a life unworthy of the calling you've received. You can actually live well below what your calling is worth. So that means the inverse of that must be true as well. That I can live in a way that is so much above my calling. Not, again, not in prideful haughtiness or arrogance. I'll show God I'll live even better than he called me to. No, no, no. Miss me with that. That's not what we're talking about. That is pride. And, hmm, the chosenness of God kills that. I'm talking about where you give up to go up. Where it's not simply just I'm not entering into sin and I'm just abstaining and I'm living a Christian life worthy of my calling. Whether that is your calling at work or your calling as a parent or your calling in the single season or your calling in the church region. Whatever your calling is. But it's living in a manner that says God even if it's not sin I'm willing to give up to go up. Alcohol. Permissible. But not everything that's permissible is beneficial Paul says. And guess what? I don't need it. I can give that up to go up. Marijuana, drug use, sleeping aids, whatever it is. I don't need it. I can give up to go up. There's just refining, there's purity. Suddenly the chosen life, we just start looking underneath things in our heart and going, can I give that up? Can I give that up? God, so many young people are so confused about what in the world they're on the earth to do. And God's just going, will you just answer the call? And then we'll move on to being chosen. <laughs> this is what he desires. I can't believe how many times I've read the Bible cover to cover. How many times I've read the book of Matthew. It's my namesake. How many times I've done this and I'm sitting here seeing something for the first time. I love that the word of God return, goes forth and does not return void. Amen. He's always revealing. And he's saying, no, 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 take over. There is levels to this player. There are levels to this. You don't have to settle for the calling that everyone else has. Blanket slate, marketplace, hospitals and ministry, motherhood and fatherhood. You don't have to settle for those callings alone. Those callings are actually an invitation to the eligibility of being chosen. You see, I love the scripture. And one thing that has to be inherently clear in this moment is that just because Jesus starts this off and says that Jesus was speaking in parables again, doesn't mean that it's not truth. You got to understand that. Even when Jesus is making up a story, it's true. <laughs> He's Jesus. 
Even though he's making up a story, it's true because he's Jesus. So his parables aren't exempt from the authority over your life. The parables aren't exempt for your submission. The parables aren't just good fortune cookies and good ideas and something you can read in the back of Cosmetology Magazine or whatever that thing's called. Cosmopolitan, whatever. I, do magazines even exist anymore? I came out of a, I came out of a time machine. Blast from the past. Call me Brendan Fraser. Two people get that reference. It's fine. But regardless, a parable, even when Jesus just pulls it out of thin air, he pulls it from the heart of God. You've got to understand that. It is still what we submit to simply because it is not actual, factual, historical moments that took place. If the word of God speaks anything, we submit to the word of God. Amen. So I love this parable in Jesus. You see, he starts it off. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and every time Jesus says anything, he means it. But I'm telling you, there's something special about the moments where he says the kingdom of heaven is like, because it clues you and I into what you and I are called to be like what the church is called to be like. Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. I have made you, Peter says, right? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Repent, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of heaven has come. He means that when he says that. So when he speaks and he says to you and I, the kingdom of heaven is like, that means that you and I, we acquiesce and we relent and we yield and we turn into... And we become what the kingdom of heaven is like. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. This is what this means. We acquiesce and we yield and we bend. We don't negotiate. <laughs> there is no negotiation. There is simply, you want to come and live? Start by coming and dying. And let me rebuild and resurrect and restore and redeem whatever you've made of your life. And let me start making it glorious. Let me start making it beautiful. Let me start redeeming and restoring you into my kingdom. So Jesus, he kicks us off. He goes, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And this king, he has a son. And this son, he is going to get married. And there is a wedding feast. And there has been invitations. And it says this, Jesus says, you see, the king, he went, he prepared a feast the king, he went and prepared a table. He got his oxen. He got his, I like how he says, the king says, my oxen and my fatted calf. Sometimes I don't think you and I understand the measures God goes to at his own expense for us. Well, he's infinite. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. How can he have any expense? Well, Jesus was sure costly on that cross. His long suffering nature that he says is birthed in his spirit in us. His patience, his endurance, his kindness. That sounds expensive if you ask me. The richest blood in all the universe certainly paid for it. So I love the language when he says the king prepared his table with his oxen and his fatted calf 
which means he had to purchase oxen or raise oxen and he had to have a calf and then he had to fatten the calf and he had to pay to fatten the calf and he had to pay for laborers to take care of said calf and then he had to have the calf butchered and laid out and all of these things. Do you begin to see what the king does for his people? What the king does for those he's inviting to his wedding? What the king does when he's preparing there to be a wedding for his son. You see, this whole thing is about you and I and how we have been betrothed by God the Father to God the Son through God the Spirit. I said, you and I, we have been betrothed. We have been promised. God the Father has promised God the Son a bride as in the church and how he goes about delivering on that promise is through God the Spirit. And so what happens in this moment is we see servants sent out from the kingdom to go into all the world and to invite people, the called, to call people to extend an invitation to a wedding. And most importantly, the wedding feast. He's very careful, our God, because this is designed to mess you and I up. Because we need to be more like him. <laughs> and so all of a sudden it says that they go out and everyone they invited paid them no attention. They paid the wedding feast, the oxen, the fattened calf, all of the trouble and expense that the Lord King went through to prepare this feast. They paid it no attention. He paid a great expense and they paid no attention. So much so that some of them, they just went back to their family. Others of them, they went back to work. And then others of them bound up the Lord's servants, shamefully treated them, and then murdered them. <laughs> and isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us? Has the church, as Christians, as those who have been invited to the wedding feast that God sends out, God prepares messengers, God prepares a table and people are telling us about this table. You gotta understand there's this feast, it's coming. God is moving, God is moving at takeover. God is moving in Grand Rapids. God is moving in this hour. God has restoration for your life, for your soul, for your marriage, for your children, for your future. God has so much beauty ahead of you. He has prepared a table like David said, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. This is the same very table. And yet most of us, often enough, we pay the, the table no attention. We do. I think there's a number of those reasons why we do. I think it's because some of us, we don't like oxen. Some of us, we don't like fat and calf. Some of us, we want God's table to be a little bit more dressed this way, set up a little bit differently like this. We prefer our cutlery over here. He prefers gold. We like bronze. I don't know why we settle for less, but that's the human condition. But you and I, we live in such a manner so often that when the invitation to come to the table has been extended and made available to you and I, we live in such a way where God's best has been given, God's best has been poured out, and God's best has been placed before us. 
and we live in direct opposition and ultimately rejection of it because at some point in time, we think how they thought, well, we got better things to do. There's other things that have our affection. Well, I like the table how I prepare it. I prefer a table that's entertaining to me, not consecrating of me. I like a table that is set up for me to enjoy, not one that sets me apart for him to enjoy. In fact, I like my meals in an hour, 15 minutes flat, wrapped up McDonald's style. And God's like, I'm kind of into feasts and banquets. I'm kind of in long dinners. I kind of enjoy spending an evening or a morning in its entirety with you. I prefer a seven course feast that actually goes on for days. My, my, in fact, my feast would be an ongoing perpetual revival that never ends, that never ceases, that never stops, that keeps going and is everything the world needs. But somehow Christians, especially in the Midwest, we found ourselves desiring and liking how we set up a table and how we prepare a dinner and how we do these things more than the God who's paid a great price for you and I to even be able to come to the table. You see, I think there's an invitation in this generation right now to begin to exchange our appetites. Exchange our appetites. Exchange our preferences. I believe at the table of God, the feast, the wedding feast of the king, I believe there is an invitation, friends, for your preferences and my preferences to burn in the glory. To burn in the glory. You see, some of us are troubled by this, but you would be far less troubled if you just began to drink from the cup that was poured for Jesus, but he has given you in his place. Come to the table. Not how you want it, not when you want it, not when it's convenient, not when you're exhausted and I guess you need another pick-me-up, Jesus jump me. No. This is a daily encounter time set apart invitation to a wedding feast where God has designed it where God has oriented it where God has made it and he made you and he knows what is best to serve you in the presence of your enemies but most importantly in the presence of your father you see the table God sets up here it's here to shame the enemy not seek presence or counsel with the enemy Not to seek an audience with the enemy. No, no, no. The table he sets up before your enemy is to shame all of hell. Because no matter what you've experienced and what you're going through and the things that are happening in your life or how great or the victories that you and I are experiencing in the moment, God prepares this table. He sets it up and he welcomes you and everything he has placed on it, everything he did to predetermine how it would go and his invitation to you is all designed to let all of hell know you can't have him. You can't have her. You can't prepare a table the way I prepare a table. 
you can't offer them what I can offer them. This table, this feast, this wedding, this is home. I know because I place eternity in the heart of every man and every woman and it leads back to this moment with me. It's the wine of God that both spoils you and humbles you at the same time. Where you feel so low once you drank it, but you feel so loved once you've had it. And so we don't want to be like these people who hear about this feast, who hear about this invitation, who hear about being welcomed in to the wedding feast of the ages. And we decide, no, we like our table better. We like our meal better. I want super size. I want all the fries. I want the drive-through, microwaved, manageable, when I want it, how I want it. Shoot, I'll take Grubhub and Uber Eats. I don't even need to leave my place of comfort and sin to partake in what I'm hungry for. And then there's the table. There's the wedding feast. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Is this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful how he prepares? Isn't this make you want to go, how do I get chosen? How do I get chosen? Because what happens in this moment is God gets so mad. He's so mad. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I've gone through all of this. I've prepared the most beautiful thing in the world and you're going to work. You're going to your family. You're actually going to kill the people I sent to tell you about this feast, to give you the invitation, which is interesting because that's how the church works today. Those of us that are actually partaking in the wedding feast are often shamed and mocked, canceled online, talked about in sermons by satanists who don't have the Holy Spirit, haven't felt the presence of God in decades but are judging you and I because we're moved to tears, but how else could we be when love itself walked in the room? When holiness came in our midst and it shook us to our core. I don't know about you, but when the king of the universe who rightfully gave up his life as he was asked to do for me and for you, when he enters my space, I'm not trying to save face. I'm not trying to look cool. I'm not trying to pretend like I got it all together. I'm not trying to be like, yep, it's just Jesus. No, 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 that's Jesus. And I'm gonna get low and I'm gonna respond to him accordingly because he's worthy. We sang it all morning. He's worthy. And so God is looking for people. He is looking and he has sent out the call. But the call is just the invitation to the banquet hall. It's not even the invitation, friends, to the wedding feast. Hear me right now. The call gets you literally within the outer courts, but it doesn't welcome you into the inner sanctuary. Hear me. Hear me, the chosen life brings you to the holies of holies. The chosen life brings you to the innermost courts of God. The chosen life brings you to the depths of God that you could never work for, that you could never earn, that you could never manipulate or lie your way into. The chosen life 
is where you just abandon all things to simply get as close to him as you can. And where is he rightfully seated? At the head of the wedding feast table. How do I know? Because he says, all right, go burn all of those cities and kill those murderers. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. We all want gentle lamb Jesus. He is the lamb that was slain, but he is also the lion of Judah. And when his house is in out of order and it is in disorder and it is in chaos and it is being abused, he's the type of God who goes home, fashions himself a whip, takes time to make a whip with talents and then goes back, flips tables and whips people. That's who he is. So he's both your greatest comfort and the biggest bad there is for the enemy, for sin, for the powers of darkness. Jesus is bigger and better than all of darkness. And he puts it on notice by going home and restoring purity to his house. And so he goes and burns some cities and kills the murderers and he lays out his justice. And I'm not more just than he is and you're not more just than he is and you're not more kind than he is and I'm not more kind than he is and you're not more long-suffering than he is and I'm not more long-suffering he is. So if that's what God sees fit to do, that's what God sees fit to do. And I just say, thank God I listened. <laughs> right? I pray for mercy and I'm grateful that I listened. And so he sends out his servants again. He goes, go get everybody. Everybody, go on the main road. The main road. Yeah, go to the wide road. Go to the wide road. And you get, you gather up the good and the bad alike and you bring them here. You bring them here. Get everybody you can. And so that's how the story unfolds. And all of a sudden they're in the banquet hall and the banquet hall is literally the foyer. It's literally the outer courts. It's just kind of like where people gather before the doors are open to what he is actually there to accomplish before the wedding is made to commence. It is the, it is the cocktail hour, so to speak, in this story. And the king decides, you know what? I'm going to make an appearance. And I'm going to come where I don't have to go. And I'm going to come to people I don't have to reveal myself to. And all of a sudden, once we arrive at this point in time, you begin to see he is talking about Israel and the Gentiles. You begin to see what he is talking about, the religious and those who desire a relationship. All of a sudden, once we arrive at this point in Jesus' true parable, we begin to realize just who we are, whether we're on the former or we're on the latter, we are one of the two. And now is the moment in this parable where we decide who we're going to be for the rest of our lives who we're going to be for the rest of the time that we're on this earth and ultimately while we are off this earth. <laughs> All of a sudden we have a moment to decide who will we be for eternity. And so the king, he comes out and he makes an appearance. And could you imagine? The king comes out to speak to the unworthy, the unrighteous, the doctors and the street pharmacists alike. The faithful and the adulterous, he just comes, bless you. He just comes. And everybody, good, bad, or otherwise, they're right there. And he notices. He notices something about all who have been called and all who showed up. He notices that there's one who was called. 
but didn't meet the dress code requirements to come into the feast. Hear me. He points out and he says, friend, why do you not have any wedding garments? The man was speechless. And Jesus deals out accordingly in this story how he deals out entirely all throughout world history, church history, Bible history, all of history. He deals out his justice and his judgment and his love and his kindness the same in perpetuity for eternity always. And he looks at the person who was called, who answered the call, but didn't come in the right clothing, didn't come in the right manner, didn't come in the right way to the wedding feast. Which shows me and speaks to all of us, friends, that there is a difference between being called and being chosen. And there is a way for the called to become the chosen. We just have to come in the right manner. Are you hearing me? Do you see the revelation here? Do you see it still matters who handles the ark? It still matters how we come into the holies of holy. It still matters how we steward our life in a hyper-grace time in this nation. It still matters whom you are because his hand goes to those that please him. You see, what we can tell from both the feast and the garments, friends, is that there's a way to please God beyond simply relenting and bending a knee and taking on Jesus as your Lord and Savior and answering the call. There's actually a way that pleases God beyond the call. <laughs> and I'm insane. I've got to know what that is. <laughs> I've got to know. We've got to know. I, how can we continue on as if we didn't know? Now that we know there's a way to go there, a way to ascend, a way to level up, a way to find ourselves in a place where God's hand of favor is on our life, not simply because, well, brother, I got the favor of God, but no, I actually am among the few who have the favor of God. How? Well, we've had the call. The table's prepared. What manner will you and I come in? And this isn't about religious Sunday best. Jesus, Jesus doesn't care about that. You wanna know how I know? Because the same word used here for garment is the same word in Acts 1 that Jesus says, if you wait in Jerusalem until the promise of God comes, it will clothe you. Do you know what that means? It's not about your actual clothing. It's about the Holy Spirit marking your life. It's about you entering into a place with God where he is your yield and your yield alone. It's where you and I, we come to a place where we have decided all other fashions, all other manners, all other preferences, whether food or service, or ministry in the streets, or ministry while we're alone with God, our innermost thoughts, our spoken words, everything all of a sudden, every preference, every allegiance, every affection, every attachment, every attention you and I have outside of Him, it's, it is offered up at that same banquet hall. 
because there is a manner in which you and I are called to be clothed in if we want to pass the threshold between the banquet hall and the wedding feast. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? There's a manner. There's a manner. This morning, it's my hope that there would be an impartation that takes place. In just a moment, I'm going to invite the worship team back up and I'm going to ask some of my trusted leaders to come down here. But when I ask them to come down here, it's, it's not so that you can move forward and come up here. No, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask our trusted leaders to actually go out and begin to pray over those that they feel the Holy Spirit is highlighting in this room. It's going to be fun. Some of us are like, I am very uncomfortable with that. That's okay. That's okay. Because the narrow way isn't comfortable. The narrow way isn't comfortable. It's hard to walk down. It costs you a lot. But it will make you the most like Jesus you've ever been. And that is, my friends, hear me today. That is the manner in which we must approach him where the Holy Spirit has marked our lives so much where everything is burned away in the glory and that which remains is a refined image of Jesus yet again. You see, God the Father has betrothed you and I, the bride, to God the Son and how you and I are made into a worthy, worthy, readied bride is by the work of God the Spirit. And that's what we're going to do because God looks at this man who somehow got to the banquet hall but was not fit to enter the threshold of the feast. And he ties him up and he binds him and he throws him into the darkest place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, hell. You know what that shows me? It shows me that you can enter the call of God on your life. And you can live that out and you can be a cultural Christian. You can be in a Christian nation at a Christian time where the persecution hasn't come back the way it's most certainly going to and, and we can play church and we can play house and we can play Sunday and we can play. We can play the calling or we can live chosen. And I, friends, I came not to play the call of the pastor. I came today to live chosen. I want to be chosen by God. I want to be delivered from me and chosen by God. I want you to be delivered from you and I want you to be chosen by God. I want to come in a manner where the Lord doesn't break out and feel the need to strike me dead like Uzziah or this man. But instead I come where I've already been delivered of everything. Everything. And now I've been delivered back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has delivered me from myself 
and refines me in a way that he can then deliver me back to Jesus. Worship team, would you make your way back up here? Church, would you stand as they come? And as you do, let's just begin to prepare our hearts. Leadership, if you can come up here. Those of you that are available, I understand there's some of us on a few different things this morning. And yeah, Kenny, that's cool. You can come and Hamza and shoot, Christina, get up here. I'm choosing you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Landon, you want to swim today? Come on, intern. Landon's my new intern. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to start leading us in worship. And it's kind of funny because what's the song again? Come and behold. Yeah, this is going to be nuts. I can feel it already. I can feel it already. He's here. He's here. We have his attention. It's amazing. So what I want to do in this moment is I want to extend an invitation. But it's not necessarily an invitation to you as much as it is an invitation to the Holy Spirit for there to be an exchange between your preferences and his impartation. Your preferences and his preferences. To be delivered of yourself and to be delivered back unto him. Like in this moment, I'm gonna ask my team and we're gonna kill the lights and we're gonna begin to worship. And those of us that aren't being prayed over or prophesied to, you and I, we're gonna begin worshiping God with reckless abandon, paying no attention to the work of God on our left or on our right because right now we're not in working mode, we're in ministering mode. We're ministering to him. We're creating an atmosphere in this place where the Holy Spirit gets to run through here like those beautiful children in their banners this morning and they get to go where they want to go. That's what we're going to do with the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, those of us that are being prophesied over and imparted to and moved in, I want to invite you. If we make it through the whole room, that'll be amazing. But I want to invite you to not just answer the call of God on your life today, but decide within yourself this day, not just whom you will serve, but whom you want to be chosen by. We live in a world where so many things are seemingly up for choice, one of which not being the Christian. the sons, the daughters of the Most High God. So many of us, we live chosen by people's opinions. We live chosen by religion. We live chosen by bro brokenness in our past and abuses in our past. And some of us, we live betrothed to a future we've built up in our mind more than the future He has for us. Some of us, we live more chosen by a one-day hypothetical situation we hope to find ourselves in of money, of family, of marriage, of whatever it may be, not realizing that those things we have betrothed ourselves to are robbing us of being eligible to be chosen by God and God alone because he says success isn't bad, but it's a terrible master. Your history as broken as it may be, 
Let it serve you to bring you closer to Jesus. Don't let it be your master and take you further from Jesus. You see, in all of these ways, in all of these areas, friends, he longs to move. And I have decided that for me in this house, we will pursue being chosen by God. Not simply called and not simply on the wide path that leads to certain destruction, but for you and I, this home, at this time, in this hour, in this region, we will be chosen by God. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to send out our team. We're going to begin to worship and we're going we're gonna to do just that. We're going to come and we're going to behold him. So Father, right now, right now, Lord, if you would, would you guys just extend a hand? Would you just get a posture of ready to receive? Even if you don't understand what that means, just, just do me and the Holy Spirit a solid and make yourself able to receive right now. Just say, my hands are up. I'm holding nothing back. You can look every area right now. God, I am ready to receive you. My hands are open. I hold nothing to myself. I hold no preferences in this moment. Instead, right now, Lord, I am open and I am ready for an impartation where I exchange all of me in place of all of you. So Father, right now I thank you in this moment. Prepare the hearts, prepare the hearts, prepare the hearts. We speak to every mind in the room, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. Right now is not your time or your place to reason in this moment. Right now, is the time where the vessel of man and the vessel of woman is open not to reason but to receive not to debate but to have dominion taken of them by the word and holy spirit of god so right now lord we say we choose the chosen life we choose the chosen's garments of fire. We choose in this moment to be smeared, to be anointed, to be clothed, to be completely betrothed unto you, unto your son, unto your purpose in the earth. Whatever it is that you want to do, come and do it. As the worship team begins to sing, team, you can go out and begin to pray. And I'll also say this, if you feel any, to our leadership team, if you feel any need to come up and pray over the worship team, feel free to do so. I don't care if the drums or guitar or keys or anything stops. Right now, this is an imparting moment. So go. Go and pray. Go and impart. Go and take over. Go. Whom the, whom the Lord highlights to you, the rest of us, let us worship. Let us worship. Let us come and behold. We become like that which we behold. We become like that which we get lost in. That which we lock eyes with. When we lock eyes with the fiery eyes of Lord Jesus, how can we not be moved? How can we not be burned? How can we not be completely eviscerated of all that we've ever been and remade back into all that He is? So let us come and behold. In Jesus' mighty name, come Holy Spirit, run through the room, run through the room, run through the room. Amen.